Blog Talk Radio. the Lord. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. I would like to welcome you to another study. We have organized on Tuesday nights our teaching and um, format to be a concise Bible study going into some very strategic uh, uh, studies so that we can just have a commonality among our beliefs. The scripture tells us several things. The study to show ourselves Approve unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, but one who rightly divides the word of truth. And so it is my prayer in these studies that you will hear uh, the organization of this of these lessons, and be, and and it stimulate just a basic foundational reference, you know. And um, and I also ask that you like the page on Facebook. We have a Facebook page, and I thank everybody who is liking the page on the on the onset of the lesson because you don't have to be this is not a, a membership or anything like that. It is a systematic study of the word of God. It's going to be every Tuesday at ten o'clock we're going to release a new teaching and um I believe it's going to bless your souls and um so tonight at our launch I'm gonna give a commentary that's kind of help um introduce the style of teaching that it will be and um and, of course, this is a teaching class. So these are classes, okay? I just want you to know I'm not going to be hooping. I'm not going to be uh, uh, charismatic. I'm going to be informational. And hopefully in this informational information that is supernatural, it will be transformational. <laughs> so um, that is my prayer. So you need a Bible. You need a notebook. Um, our first lesson is titled Working for the Lord, and then we'll get into some other studies um, like there's going to be another study coming very soon called Shepherds, and I'm going to encourage everyone to go to to listen to that one um, because that's really going to determine, do I have a pastor? <laughs> and um, so there's going to be some subjects that uh, we do cover that are not necessarily on the church, uh, that will be covered on what you hear on Sundays, but I guarantee you it will bless you so you can be confident and what what and why you believe what you believe, amen. And that's one of the battles of, of, of belief, that we just really have a challenge believing what we should believe. So um, I believe you're going to be blessed by the word of God. All right. Now, uh, the classes are generally 45 minutes of class, um, and we're about, we, in a series, we have, um, our goal is to have two lessons per series, but it may end up being three lessons depending on the volume of studies. And now I'm one of those people who teach in series. So one of the um, one of the series that we have called the Overcoming Way, I may do a, a, a division of that. Um, that may have five teachings. So maximum in a series, no more than five. Typically there are two. And depending on how advanced the subject is, some of them might have a complementary teaching that helps. But generally there are two. Uh, five point um, or five sectional teaching. So generally, it's five five sections, three points each section. In the beginning, I give a a, a basis of scripture typically, and um, and then I um, give an outline that has five categories or five areas that we cover. And I always give the outline prior to the lesson in the um, in the group. So that way you can have what we are studying. Amen. 
I am on. And so I'm. I'm excited, okay? Okay, praise God. I got the confirmation. Let's pray and not delay. Father, we praise you and thank you for this day. Knowing that this is the day that you have made, we rejoice and are glad. We thank you for another opportunity to worship you in spirit and in truth. It is the authority of your word that gives me confidence to make boldly known the mysteries of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I do lean and depend on the Holy Spirit, who is the educator and the guide that gives me clear articulation of speech and thought as I make manifold known the wisdom of God. Holy Spirit, I say, have your way. Do what only you can do. Anoint the people's ears to hear what the Spirit has to say to the church. And, Father, in everything that shall be accomplished and everything that shall be revealed, you be glorified for it. It is in the name of Jesus that we do praise you and give you glory in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Our study is titled, Working for the Lord. What does that mean, working for the Lord? Um, we, we, we begin looking at uh, Adam. When Adam was given in the first six days of creation or creation's history, found in Genesis, we see that the first responsibility that God had given mankind was work. Work. Now, what I want to do in this lesson is challenge our perception on work and give a biblical basis to work for the Lord, to work again for the Lord. Now, we cannot confuse work with employment because often um, employment is a means to an end. And we cannot also um, um, assume that working for the Lord is um, is uh, predicated on um, vocations because vocations can also be recreational or based on ambitions or in one's heart. But working for the Lord, as you will see in the scripture, takes on a much more powerful connotation. The book of Ephesians opens up this dialogue, and let's turn to Ephesians chapter 2 and kind of give God's thinking behind work and pull it uh, into some type of uh, or uh, systematic dialogue that can help us uh, um, serve as a reference to how to work for the Lord and remind us the importance of working for the Lord. We started off saying that man was created um, to work for the Lord, and his first assignment was to work. Amen. Now, in Ephesians chapter 2, it gives a great uh statement and and it starts off saying and you have he quickened which means to make alive who were dead in trespasses and sin where in times past he walked according to the course of the world according to the prince of the power of the air the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience now you can outline that just in that self in verse 2 where it says what you walked according to the course According to, put a colon there, and then number one, the course of the world. Number two, according to the prince of the power of the air. According and uh, number three, the spirit which now works in the children of disobedience. That's three things that that people in times past, when they were dead in their trespasses and sins, they walked according to. God made you alive so that in verse verse three. 
among whom also we all have our conversations in times past in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as others. Now, all of this is canceled out in verse 4, but, but God, who was rich in mercy for his great love, wherein he hath loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath made us alive. That word quicken means to be made alive. Us together with Christ for, here's the principle, by grace ye are saved. By grace ye are saved. What is that? When you were dead in sin, by grace you were saved. And hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ. Christ is not Jesus' last name. And that's why it's placed before the name Jesus. Because Christ means the Holy Spirit, or the Spirit of God. You know what I'm saying? You were made alive by the Spirit of God. Now, one thing that we want to remind people, and all anyone that hears this, the reason why we call this supernatural studies is because of 2 Corinthians uh, 14, which says the natural man, 2.14, it says the natural man receiveth not the things of God, neither does he know them because they're spiritually discerned. So, in other words, the things of God and the knowledge of God is contained in the spirit of God. And this is why Jesus in 16 and 17 and 15 of John, the Gospel of John, says, I do not leave you comfortless, comfortless. But when the spirit of truth is coming, he will lead and guide you into the truth. And so we are dependent upon the Spirit of God to highlight and to isolate strategies and scriptures and standards and situations and solutions that we should live by to resolve of being saints of the Most High God. We are children of God. We are heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. And if we are seated with him in heavenly places, we have a we have we have we no longer walk through the ways of the world. We no longer walk by the lust of the flesh and of the mind. Do you hear what I'm saying? Why? We are working for the Lord. He's talking about life works. Life works. Let's go back to Ephesians chapter two. And keep reading. So he has raised us up together and made us sit in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through what? The Spirit. Through the Spirit of the Lord Jesus, which is the Holy Spirit. Do you hear what I'm saying? For by grace are ye saved through what? Faith. Faith is not, a, uh, um, faith is not an emotional resolve. Faith is a function of the supernatural, wherein the righteous are justified. It is the, it's the lifestyle of the believer. So faith is the life of the believer, and we are saved through the life, the life that God has provided for us, and not of ourselves. It is a gift of God. What is it? For by grace ye are saved. What is the gift? The gift is grace. What is, your, what is the result? Your salvation. Your salvation is a gift from God, not of works, not of things that you can do in your own efforts. At least any man should but, but, um, boast, because we are his workmanship. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ, the Holy Spirit, through the Lord Jesus, unto what? Good works. Now, if they're good works, they're God's works. If they're, if they're bad works, they're not God's works. 
you know what I'm saying, unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. So our works de- define our walk. Our walk defines our talk or our witness. We work, we walk, and we witness. Do y'all get it? And so wherefore, it says, listen, this is the, this is the central theme of it, Ephesians 2.10. We are created, we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Why? There are three reasons why. I call this the ABCs of working for the Lord. Number one, we approach all things with the attitude of Christ. What is the attitude? We lean and depend on the Spirit. The Bible says, trust in the Lord with all thy heart. Lean not to thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he will direct thy path. I always say this all the time. If he's not Lord of all, he is not Lord at all. Jesus being Lord of our lives means that we have made a resolve. We have made a resolve for him to be owner, ruler, controller, and sustainer. Glory to God. Why? Because we approach all things, all things. We approach all things with the attitude of Christ. And then we, we, we become brilliant in beliefs and actions through the power of Christ because we know that we cannot do it in and of ourselves. When it says not of works, it's not talking about not working. It's talking about self-effort, self-initiated ambition, vocations, employments that have not been orchestrated or designed by the Lord for you to function in. So it is very important that you have this talk at some point in your life, that you come to a resolve and ask yourself, am I working for the Lord? Now, working for the Lord might involve your employment. It might involve a vocation. It might even involve recreation. But you and the Lord are the ones that bring out the stipulations of this conversation that you have with, with Jesus. Do you hear what I'm saying? We have a conversation. Why? Because Jesus is Lord. He's our Savior. He's our, he's our King. He's our, he's our Master. He's our Ruler. We willingly serve the Lord because we love Him. We willingly serve the Lord because He saved us. We willingly serve the Lord because He cares for us. And if He cares, He has our greatest, con- he, he has our greatest benefits. The Bible says, trust in the Lord and forget not His benefits. You get what I'm saying? So there are benefits in serving the Lord. There are benefits in following God. There are benefits in working for the Lord. Proverbs 16 is a powerful lesson that we all must learn and come to grips with. The scripture declares in verse 3, it says, Commit thy works unto the Lord, and thy thoughts shall be established. That's a very powerful statement. The Lord hath made all things for himself, yea, even the wicked for the day of evil. Everyone that is proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Though though hand joined in hand, he shall not be unpunished. But here is the most (laughs) potent thing that we can get from this teaching. We understand, first of all, that we must commit our works to the Lord. That's one. But the second thing that's in that same verse, in verse chapter 3, we commit our works to the Lord so that our thoughts should be established. When a person's works are not committed to the Lord, their thoughts are not are scatterbrained. They're all over the place. They're not established in their thoughts. 
So if you want to find a life focus, you must function in the Lord's work, that he has purpose for your life. The scripture goes on and suggests to us, I know the plan. That's what he said to Jeremiah that I have for you. Do you understand? We, God has a knowledge of his plans. And he says uh, as, as to Isaiah in prophecy to the ch- uh, children of promise that my ways are not your ways and my thoughts are not your thoughts. See, we got to come up and reason with him. We have to elevate our thinking. And so what happens is that commitment of our works to the Lord establishes our thought life. And so when a person doesn't have an established commitment to do what God has purposed them to do, their thoughts will go scatterbrain. That's why you got to be careful and know those that what? Labor or work among you. Do you hear what I'm saying? Because God identifies the quality of, a, of, of mankind through the work that they are committed to. Lord have mercy. So that's what Proverbs 3 says, because the Lord made all things for himself, yea, even the day of evil. God even has a plan in, in, in things that try to work against his plan. The strength of his plan is even revealed through evil. Hallelujah. Bless his name. And so those scriptures, Ephesians 2.10, uh, tell, tells us that we were created and that we must commit to it. Colossians challenges us also, Colossians chapter 3, verse 24, thank you. It says, uh, whatsoever we do, I'm, I'm quoting it from memory, but I, I'll give you the scripture so you know for yourself, amen. And um, while I'm saying this, when I'm teaching on this broadcast, generally I will teach from the King James Version. I will not use the NIV Version. Occasionally I will use the New uh, English Standard Version, but the NIV version has 17 missing verses in it, and it was written by a company that endorsed witchcraft. And so we do not, I do not promote that, uh, that translation. I do not read from that translation. I do not study from that translation. I like the King James because it forces you to interpret the meaning of words, and the more words that you interpret, the better you comprehend. The more you define, the, the, the ability to define is the ability to become. And we are his workmanship created unto good works. And part of the good works is knowing what God wants you to do and being able to do it because God has instructed you on how to do it. And so the, the goal and the ambition is that we have brilliantly developed beliefs and actions through the power of Christ, ABCs, what is the A? Approach. What is the B? Brilliant. And what is the C? Characterization or characterizing it through, the, uh, through a work, working culture with excellence, with the excellence of Christ. Do you know that God's plan works? Do you know that God's plan is the best plan? There is no greater way to survive and to thrive in the earth than to come into covenant and connection with the creator. He's Lord of all. And so we approach our works and we commit our works to the Lord. All right, Colossians 3.24 says what? Whatsoever ye do, do it heartily. See, man looketh on the outward appearance as unto the Lord and not unto men. Why is that? Man looketh on the outward appearance, but God looketh on the heart. 
Do you know what I'm saying? Trust in the Lord with all thy heart. What? Lean not into thine own understanding. As a man thinketh what in his heart, so is he. You got to give your heart to this thing. Do you hear what I'm saying? All right. Let's go on for the sake of time. We got about 25 minutes left in the teaching. Glory to God. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, you can note this down, 1 through 8. And, of course, that is a concept of, of generosity uh, based on your commitment to the causes of Christ. And in, in, in that, it is an encouragement from Paul that, that, that based on the will of God for the churches, for them to serve um, um, one another through the abundance uh, of generosity, generosity uh, so that everyone in the church can, can excel in everything, in faith, speech, knowledge, earnestness, and in our love for one another. Do you hear what I'm saying? But we got to also do the perform the what they call in verse six the act of grace. The act of grace also, which is which is a genuine uh, uh, approach to giving toward the things of God. Hallelujah. I don't say this as a command, but prove the earnestness of others that your love is also genuine. For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that through, though he was rich, yet for your sakes became poor, that you might through his poverty become rich. Why? So you can be generous. Generous. So our works will always yield a reward. We're committed to the Lord. We've committed our works to the Lord. We've done whatever we do out of our hearts to God. So the, the, the theology of work, as we go through these scriptures, we see that there's a generosity that comes out of good works. Y'all hear what I'm saying? And then John 14 gives us uh, some more in-depth insight on work. John 14. And let's, let's get that right quick. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. We thank God for the ability to study his word. So I'm giving you five scriptures, Ephesians 2, Proverbs 16, Colossians 3, 2 Corinthians 8, 1 through 8, and then now we're on 14. John 14, it says, um, and let's look at verse 11 and 13. It says, believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. This is Jesus. Or else believe me for the what? The very word's sake. You're known by what you do. Verily I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also, and greater works. So here we have different connotations of God, God works or life works, which are good works and what greater works. Then these shall ye do, because I go unto my Father. And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. And if ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. If ye love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray of the Father, and he shall give you another comforter that will abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeketh him not, neither knoweth him. So part of us thriving spiritually is going to be a self-initiated pursuit. To learn the things of God, to love what he loves, to hate what he hates, to live like he lives, to talk like he talks, to walk like he walks. Do you hear what I'm saying? When we, when we begin to establish those basic fundamentals, 
we will see the reward of working for the Lord. Do you, do you hear the lesson? All right, now, those are the scriptures that we give to, to, to give you the theology of work or God's thinking behind work, that work was a part of, of your existence, was created for the work of the Lord. So three things that we must advance in life, uh, in, in life to work, and that is to reflect the image that we carry within. We must learn to let a to learn to reflect on the image that we carry within. What do we house in us? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, the Spirit, first of all, which is of the truth. The truth makes us free because we continue in the Word, and the continuance of the Word makes us disciplined disciples. That's why it says in the Scripture, if ye continue in my words, if ye are my disciples, ye continue in my word, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Why? We reflect on the image that we carry within. We're not the people that look into the perfect. See, the Bible says if we look into the perfect law of liberty in James, we will be blessed in all of our deeds. Why? We allow the word of God to dictate or to navigate the courses of actions in our life. Why? They're from God. The image that we house within us is his spirit. Man is a spirit, and God is a spirit, and he seeketh those who worship him, to worship him in spirit and in truth. You are made in the image and the likeness of God. You are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. So you have to reflect on the uh, image that you carry within. Secondly, you have to rely on the help of the Holy Spirit. You have to rely on the help of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has been sent to help you. Not your emotions, not your family, not your friends, but the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God which hovered on the earth. And, and when God said, let there be, it was because it went to work. It's the same Spirit that's going to help you waken or make you alive to what God's plan is for your life. And then you have to resolve to just be the best. Resolve to be the best. That's where it begins. Don't let another day go forward without you resolving to be the best. The, the mentalities of working for the Lord is seen in Scripture in John 9, 4, Colossians 3, 2, and Matthew 5, 16. First of all, the Bible tells us to work while it's day. When night cometh, man won't be able to work anymore. That's what the Scripture says. In other words, Seize the opportunity to find your work, to find what God has for you, because it's a day. If there's an evil day and there's a good day and God made the day, you need to find the day. So you've got to work while it's day. And then Colossians 3, which we already read, verse 2, says, uh, work as unto the Lord. Do you hear what I'm saying? And then, of course, we also, Matthew 5, 16, my favorite scripture, let your light so shine before men that they might see your what? Good works. So we work for the greater good, and they might glorify your Father which is in heaven. So the reflection of, of this is what reflects the images that we carry within. We work while it's day, we work unto the Lord, and we work for the greater good. John 9, 4, Colossians 3, 2, and Matthew 5, 16. Now here are the enemies to working um, to the mentality or working mentality. See, because you got to understand, um, there are enemies that um, that prevent you from doing what God wants you to do. Number one is worldly lust, Titus 2.22. Titus 2.12, I'm sorry. Worldly lust, <laughs> glory to God. 
and then there is weariness of mind, Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, fainting in your own mind, you're weary. These are, these are things, worldly lust, weariness of mind, and then works of the flesh, Galatians chapter 5, verses 14 through 21. Y'all getting me? Y'all coming along? Now, I can take time to spell out and read you all the scriptures, or I can give you the label, which gives you the chapter and the uh, verse, and you can go to it on your own time and study. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord, because we got to go. Hallelujah. But these are, these are things that we must learn, and these are things that we must do. We must work unto the Lord. We must work unto the Lord so that we can reflect the image that we carry within, rely on the Holy Spirit, resolve to be the best, because we know we ought to work while it's day. There's an opportunity. We know we need to work as unto the Lord. God is watching. And we need to work so that, uh, so that we can show forth the, great, the greater works or the good works which God has ordained that we should walk in them. In other words, we should work for, for the greater good. And why is that? God is glorified in our work. Do y'all hear what I'm saying? And these enemies that are to working mentalities is, is listen, remember what the Bible says, commit thy works and so thy thoughts shall be established. If your thoughts are not established, it's because a worldly lust, some lust got in there, or some, some weariness. You got weak in your mind. Or there's been works of the flesh, and all of those works can be changed. The weariness of mind is when you got strength of soul, and you, and you lean not to your own understanding. All your ways acknowledge him and give direction for your path. All right? Now, things that working for the Lord are and what they are not. So you need to understand three things that they are, three things that they're not. Number one, they are, it, is not a way, it is not a way to success in life. The Bible tells you what success is. It's, it's the world's highest form of achievement. But being blessed, God can bless you with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places, will, will supersede success. Amen. And so uh, we are, or uh, it's not a wrestle with resolves to, um, it's not a wrestle to resolve one own assignment. So, so, again, working for the Lord, you are not working for the Lord finding your assignment out. You don't work until you operate in your assignment. And most people go at, what am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do? That's why God has set up institutions. The institution of marriage uh, instru- or directs the institution of the family. The institution of the family um, then shapes the forces of the government or the institution of the government, which should be godly. And if the government is not godly, that institution also of, uh, should should yield to the authority of faith or the institution of the church, which God has designed to uh, to to uh, uh, to ignite gifts within. So the 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 family, the the uh, the function of the family and the function of the household of faith are the forces of authority which help you shape your work or come into the contact of your work. And if you don't know what to do, you serve until you know what to do. Hallelujah. So you don't, and then working a church ministry or or church assignment. That doesn't mean that you're working for the Lord. And I know somebody thinks you know, and I, and it's, it's something that I'm teaching in leadership. A lot of times we we assign people titles for function. That's not leadership. Leadership is for vision, outlook, strategies, uh, generational spans uh, uh, of influence. 
You hear what I'm saying? And you can't do that just achieving a function. Someone who manages the operation doesn't have foresight, insight, uh, um, and hindsight or what is to come. You hear what I'm saying? They don't know the master's business. Why? Because they are not, they're just assigned a function. So sometimes people confuse which really should be volunteer and just really auxiliaries we make because somebody cleaned up the church. That don't mean they're a deacon. And I know we, we, we have that in the church world. Oh, you know, the, just the men in the church who are, are the strongly saved, they're the deacons. That don't mean that. Deacons are supposed to be filled with the Spirit and operate as the same, in the same caliber as bishops and apostles, but those are those that are uh, uh, are assigned to, 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 to be devoted to help minister or serve the, um, the, um, the, the affairs of the church so that the, the apostles and the and the and the pastors and the bishops can preach the word of God without interference. So deacons are the first uh, first level of ordination. You hear what I'm saying? And because we don't have a lot of churches teaching church structure as by the Bible, we have many people in places serving in a what they claim is a ministry, and really God don't even see it because they're just helping the church function. Cleaning the church is your reasonable service. One of the things, you know, or, or singing in the choir, like that's a ministry. It's not a ministry. I, you know, just because you sing on a praise team or the choir don't make you involved in the ministry. You know how many people sing and don't contribute nothing to the church? Or play an instrument and don't contribute anything to the church? So we need to we need to get get this back into proper perspective because people are thinking they're working under the Lord when they're functioning in a ministry for the sake of it, of of it maintaining and God is like I didn't tell you to work <laughs> I didn't tell you to work that way. It's tight but it's right. Let's keep going. Um uh what working for the Lord is it's an act of service. It's it, it's definitely a brilliance of, of mind, but it's a resolve to be bold in mind. And then it's also creative motivation um, that's maintained by sensitivity to the Holy Ghost. You hear what I'm saying? And, and and there are some revelations. I went through that real fast. What it is and what it's not. It's acts, it's brilliance, and it's creativity, all engaged for serving the Lord, serving the Lord's interests, because he empowers those who are committed to his cause and his plan. And it's not just cleaning the church, counting money, singing in the choir, preaching. There's more to it. Than that, and that's what we need to find out. He did not call Abraham to be a pastor. He did not call Moses to be a pastor, and so some of us, and even, and I have, I'm always careful in integrity when we're studying the scripture to not place those those um, uh, ancient. They, they were formed to build nations and families to function. If you want to learn how to be a family, look at Abraham, who who separated from from anything that was contrary to the will of God and established a whole other system to when his son, his um, nephew was along with him could prosper in his way because he was functioning in the authority of a family man. He wasn't a pastor. And, you know, I was, I was, I was doing notes on the, uh, what I call the Jethro principle when, when Moses was set to establish the, uh, uh, the, the elders of Israel. And of course, you know, you would think, um, actually, he was doing uh, uh, the the institution. He was empowering or establishing the institution of government, and not the church elders, as we see in the New Testament that Paul appointed 
to, to make certain that when he wasn't there, they could be continually learning the gospel to the Gentiles, because that's who he was assigned to. But when he was talking to the elders of Israel, he was establishing government. So the Jethro principle, although we can apply some of the relevance to it, um, of getting advice and assigning and delegating and leading was really for the sake of the institution of the government, not necessarily the church, because God has set some in the church as it pleased him. You hear what I'm saying? According to Ephesians chapter 4, the Jethro principle don't work for the church. Well, anyway, praise, praise our God. I went to another level with that because we need to have in my in my fifth section revelations, revelations behind uh, uh, working for the Lord. You got to think about what you're doing, saints. You got to think about what you're doing because a lot of things we're saying we're doing that's for the Lord. God can't bless mess. He can't work against his own system, which he set up, and, and, and God is even telling you that in his system, he is also the Lord of evil. Lord God, if he got an orchestration and an organization for the evil that comes against his own plan, my God, he has an order and a structure and a way and a system for his plan for your life, and it's important that you get to know the creator so you can know what God has called for you to do before you are placed on planet Earth so you can receive the promises, the provisions, the potentials which he has ordained for your life. And if you're distracted and your thoughts are all over the place, and you can't humble yourself before the Lord and find out the God of the Bible, you'll miss out on the quality of life that Christ died for you to have. Do you get my point? we got to get a revelation. And the natural man receiveth not the things of God, for neither can he know them. They're spiritually discerned. And what the world is doing is telling you you are not capable of obtaining spiritual identity. You are not capable of being super spiritual. You are supposed to, and matter of fact, they will insult you and say, you're so super spiritual, you're no earthly good. Well, achieve it to believe it, saints. You got to be spiritual and you should be superior in your spirit in order to be good to the earth because good works are from God. The Bible says there's none good but God. And the good works which God has created and ordained for us to have is going to be governed by his Holy Spirit. Get spiritual, folks. Get superiorly spiritual, spiritual, folks. Stop playing church and be the church all the way. And, and what, is, what is happening? When a person's heart is set to work for God, they are, um, they are conscientious of keeping these realities in check, that I must be spiritual because the natural man receives not the things of God. So, so what, what are we looking for? A new norm. Where is this new norm established? One, in the anointing of God, the anointing that God has assigned on our life. It is an awareness of abilities that we came in the earth with, abnormal niches, aspirations to be above and beyond the ordinary. God has placed within us an ability. You have an anointing from the Holy One. Hallelujah. Bless his name. And then it is also the acknowledgement of the Holy Spirit to abide and assist with signs and the word that supernaturally causes you to excel. What am I saying? You give God your mind, no longer conform to the ways of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So, number one, you can be supernaturally intelligent. That's why we rely on the Holy Spirit. Number two, the, you can have source of strength in time of pressure. 
And then you can be superior in wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. Because God says in all that getting, get what? An understanding. Do you hear what I'm saying? So what's the revelation behind this? The revelation behind it is that God, God has established the heart, and he's placed this in your heart so you can understand the anointing of God that's on your life, so that you can acknowledge the, the need for the Holy Spirit. Do you hear what I'm saying? And then also so you can engage in a mentality of the supernatural. Seek things where Christ is seated. How do we do that? Meditation, supplication, and sanctification. Meditation is meditating on the word of God. Let it become a reality in your life. Psalms 1 says, You're blessed is the man who sitteth not in the uh, standard, sitteth or uh, uh, walketh, standeth or sit. He does not walk or stand or sit. What does he not walk in? The counsel of the ungodly, nor sitteth in the seat of the sinners or the scornful. And his delight is in the law of the Lord, which he meditate on what? Day and night. So we, we, meditation is what, what gives us concentration on finding the voice of God in this day and time. And then supplication is a supply of the supernatural, which we have developed in play, prayer. Supplication in the spirit, Ephesians in chapter 6 confirms this, where when we put on the nature of God, which is God's armor or God's defense against the world that prevents us from um, entertaining worldly lust. It prevents us from um, entertaining weariness of mind because he teaches us the works of the spirit versus the works of the flesh. When that happens, we have a supernatural source of supply. God helps us. And then we can easily separate and make God a space in our heart. Y'all hear what I'm saying? And so lastly, we we not only uh, uh, develop a supernatural mentality, but we sanctify God in our heart. We hear from God from the heart. We heed to God's ways from the heart, and we harden not our heart because the world wants to make us uh, uh, insensitive to the Holy Spirit. And it is the Spirit of God that leads us and guides us into the truth that we should know. Do y'all hear what I'm saying? And this is this is the this is the pattern which God. Now here are things that we must achieve in life. And I'll give you this and then I think we'll do one more lesson on this and then we'll go into another subject. The new norm, remember I said you have to have a new norm? It's gonna awaken through standards. I'm gonna say standards. Five standards that you must uh, uh understand. You must understand. Five uh standards and, and these are uh, number one, the standard of sacrifice found in Matthew chapter 20, 1 through 6. Number two is the, the standard of stewardship. The parable of the talents is something that you must understand. And the lost coin, hallelujah. And then, of course, John 21, the, the standard of strategies, that God works. And sometimes his works are unconventional, casting your nets on the other side. And then, of course, the, um, the standard of service unto the Lord in John 7, 24 through 21. And then, of course, uh, the, the standard of sovereignty, God's will uh, be done on earth as it is in heaven in John cha- uh, Matthew chapter 24. Amen. And these are what establish in our life work so we can see, see these things thrive, life, a life of faith, a life of wealth, a life of health, a life of, of, of functional functionality in the family, and then a life of destiny. 
Did y'all get anything out of the lesson? Father, I pray that your word, as it has been communicated tonight, will help the body of Christ devote themselves to learning the works that you have ordained for them to walk in. Father, we commit to live a godly life and to search your word and search the scriptures to see whether they be so. And that we just believe to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And so we wait on you in confident expectation, knowing that before, while we tried to figure it out, you've already worked it out, and we thank you for it. Well, Father, we thank you, Lord, that we believe to see your goodness in the land of the living. We believe to see all these things that we study come to pass before our eyes so we can give you glory and mean what we say and mean who we are. Help us, God, and we praise you for it in the name of the Lord Jesus. I trust that whatever you set your hands to do, you will do greater as he that's within you than he that's within the world. Next week I'll come back and finish this working for the Lord, and then we'll get on to the next subject on the next Tuesday. God bless you, and have a good night.